Welcome to Unfurnished, a commissioned exhibition by Mohammed Zahidur Rahman. He is a British Bengali painter, zine maker and illustrator based in London. Rahman approaches his practice as both an intimate and political force and draws on global, queer and critical perspectives. In these six paintings, Rahman considers the biannual's theme of migration and homemaking in the UK by taking us through six allegorical rooms in a house. These rooms look back to tell us a folk history and forwards to paint a dreamscape. Today you are standing in Kingsgate Project Space, a small gallery with light pouring in from the windows in the sloped ceiling. The whole room is about 10 metres or 12 strides long and about 5 metres or 6 strides wide. There are six paintings arranged along the left side of the gallery on a large wooden frame. Dried roses hang from the top of this wooden frame, alternating between red and white. The frame has three panels, each with two paintings. As you enter the space, the middle panel is what's visible first. And when you fully enter, you're able to discover the left and right panels, which are angled inwards. Each canvas is the same size. 16 inches by 20 inches and is set in a thin wooden frame. You'll notice the sound of birdsong, which is an audio track playing to complete the experience of being with these paintings, each of which feature a room with an open blue sky instead of a ceiling. These rooms each focus on a different facet of immigrant life and take us on a journey through food, political resistance, love, horticulture and art. These paintings piece together the history of migration in the UK, which given both the historical erasure of these narratives and the more recent proliferation of these stories online is no easy feat. Rahman has drawn inspiration from the local area of Brent, the wider international context and his own family and experiences. All situated within a domestic space, we encounter the labour routes through which migrants have found themselves in the UK, including agriculture, food production and textiles. We encounter the compassion and hospitality that migrants create for each other through food and shared space. We encounter the religious and cultural customs that have kept communities together and hopeful. And we encounter the different kinds of love and family that have characterised diverse communities. Alongside the celebration of migrant life, Rahman draws explicit attention to the state-sanctioned violence that these migrant communities have been subjected to in the past and continue to exist within today. In the painting titled Cellar, a single bone adorns the back wall and reminds us of University College London's major role in the propagation of eugenics. While in the painting titled Porch, Motifs of small boats highlight the ongoing criminalisation of migrants that arrive at the UK's shores. The UK's ties to armed conflict abroad are abundantly referenced in these paintings, most poignantly perhaps through the artist's use of flowers. In the painting titled Mattress, the red tulip commemorates the multiple waves of Afghan immigration in the last 40 years. In Cellar, Lignum vitae flowers commemorate anti-slavery revolts in Jamaica, led by Nanny of the Maroons against the British. And in Porch, the flame lily commemorates the ongoing Sri Lankan civil war brought on by the British.
In fact, this exhibition is strongly symbolic with the many objects and people in the paintings representing geographies, cultural icons, subcultures and historical events. In the painting titled Lounge, the artist has drawn inspiration from Ronald Moody, Zadie Smith and Jacob V. Joyce to celebrate migrant art. And in the painting titled Cellar, which commemorates the resistance struggles by migrants in the UK, the figures bear resemblance to Travis Alabanza, Jay Ben Desai and Olive Morris. Despite these specific references embedded into the paintings, Rahman is most interested in interweaving past histories into the lived experiences that people today are creating. He invites you to spend time with the paintings, draw your own links and reference points, and recognise parts of yourself and your life in the details. Please make yourself at home in this exhibition. Feel free to sit down, stay, wander, talk. We begin with the painting at the leftmost side of the series and work our way to the right. This painting is titled Table and is dominated by a long wooden dining table that stretches from the front to the back of this particular room, highlighting the centrality of food in creating home for many immigrant communities in the UK. There are five people of colour positioned around the table and our attention is drawn to the two figures sitting on the floor in front of the table. They sit splayed but close together, both holding the same plate of cake while looking intimately at one another. The figure on the left is a dark brown-skinned non-binary person dressed from head to toe in a lilac pink tracksuit. They are sharing cake with a transmasculine person that has tanned skin and short black hair with a shaved side. This person wears a blue suit, white collared shirt and smart black shoes. The couple are forefronted by four utensils which line up along the bottom of the painting. To the leftmost, a clay orange coloured tagine, followed by a large cleaver knife, followed by a traditional mortar and pestle in deep green, and lastly to the right, a rectangular black grinding stone. These handheld utensils draw attention to the physical labour of food production, and perhaps by their positioning on the floor, how invisible this labour has become in the way we consume food today. Standing behind the couple and facing away from them is a figure clad in the white clothes of a chef, leaning on the table with his left forearm. He seems to be presenting the wide array of dishes on the table, ranging from across the globe. Closest to the chef and to the forefront of the table, there is a plate with three samosas. A plate of Nigerian bean-steamed moin-moin on a green leaf, a plate of empanadas arranged around a salsa, and a plate of three Chinese-steamed shao long bao. A large peking duck takes centre place, next to a plate of Middle Eastern stuffed cabbage rolls called sarma. The three plates to the far end of the table comprise, respectively, Ethiopian injera with miserwat, tabule, and the Vietnamese fried fish dish kachien mam suai. Far at this end of the table is a dark-skinned woman in a high-necked yellow dress who looks at the child next to her dressed in a watery blue top. Only their upper bodies are visible and it's not clear whether they are standing or sitting. The woman extends an arm behind the child in a gesture of affection as the child looks back up to her. Their presence evokes a domestic identity for this table 
and our attention is perhaps drawn to the gendered labour of food preparation at home and in industry. Like the other paintings in this series, the room itself is explicitly bare, featuring nothing on the neutral green walls. The floor is a beige concrete and in the back left corner of the room stand two fridge freezers. One is painted in a soft pink and the other behind it in a vibrant green. This green fridge is open and leaking. From the top freezer compartment pours out a branch of flowering jasmine, while out of the bottom fridge compartment a leafy lotus flower melts onto the floor. In this next painting titled Cellar, we come to the foundations of the house and are inside an earthy basement that features two sets of stairs rising up from the ground to the open blue sky above. The stairs are coloured mossy green, with each step accented in a blue shadow. One set of stairs climbs from the bottom of the cellar to the middle landing, and the other from this middle landing up to beyond the top of the frame. On this middle landing we see two women seated either side of a board of checkers. They are settled comfortably on the ground besides cups of tea and a plate of snacks. The woman on the left, draped in a rosy pink dupatta over her salwar kameez, smiles at her companion and points at the board. The other woman with curly cropped hair gazes out at us pensively, with one hand stroking her chin. She sits beneath an archway, which leads somewhere that we can't see from the painting. As the women strategize next moves, their black and red game pieces sit in front of them respectively. A pink carnival headdress also sits boldly on the landing. This quiet scene is contrasted by the activity above. Two figures climb upstairs, hauling heavy items up with them. At the top is a brown-skinned femme dressed head to toe in a pink gown. As they stride multiple steps in striking red shoes, they hang a brown suitcase over the left shoulder and look back at their companion, who climbs up with a wooden school desk on his back. He is dressed smartly in blue with black shoes. Bent over from the weight of the table, he does not look back at his companion. Other than these two pairs of people, the room is still. Four mini alcoves embellish the wall to the left of the climbing couple. Each dusky purple-grey square exhibits an item, the dark outline of the alcove framing these objects like paintings. We see the Australian golden wattle flower dangling out of the top left alcove, while top right we see five silver ingots, one stacked on top of the other four. Below these, a leafy bunch of Jamaican lignum vitae flowers, and left of this, a single bone. On the opposite side of the painting, to the right, a dusky blue-coloured alcove hosts a woven basket, poignantly empty. The bottom of the cellar is a wooden planked floor. Cutting perpendicular across the floorboards is a large, blood-red wound that runs from left to right and out of the frame. This violent, bleeding slash is decorated with the white hat worn by British colonial leaders, a green army helmet, and perhaps most currently recognisable, a British police helmet. This next painting, titled Mattress, takes us into the nurturing space of the bedroom, 
It centres a wooden three-tiered bed, which stands tall and sturdy in the middle of the rosy pink room. Each of the bunks features people and relationships, inviting us to view th three different kinds of family. Under the characteristic open expanse of blue sky, there are two people on the topmost mattress. A short, fair-skinned person in a voluminous red dress seems to be dancing, arms reaching up and feet splayed on the frilly duvet. They're watched by their dark-skinned friend who sits to their right in a sandy yellow shirt and purple hair bonnet. Below them, the middle-tiered mattress is inhabited by a trio of intergenerational figures. Sitting on the edge of the mattress, a motherly figure in a yellow head wrap reads a book to a child. We can imagine their legs dangling off the left side of the bed. Behind them to the right of the mattress is a young woman immersed in her own book. She's reclining on her front with her head towards us and her long dark head plait also dangles off the edge of the bed. This bunk is tethered to the room with six hammock-like hangings secured with large metal hoops drilled into the walls. The hammocks seem to be made of soft material and they are empty, almost waiting for other family members to take up residence in them. One of these hammocks draws our eyes to the arch of the doorway, which offers a passage out of the room to the right. In front of this arch, we see the last gathering of people on the bottommost mattress. A throuple lies on their backs side by side under a deep red duvet. At the right hand side, a brown person with long dark hair looks straight ahead. They are watched by two people to their left, a blonde person and also a person with tanned skin and tightly wound red hair colours. Perhaps the most ready for sleep out of everyone in the painting, this throuple snuggles together, each resting their head on a soft, fluffy pillow. Underneath this bed, the carpet is a soft clay colour and hosts the scattered possessions of these people, much like a bedroom does. A shisha marks the space between the bed frame and the doorway, its pipe curling forwards towards a small floor lamp with a stripy lampshade. Closest to us, lying in the shadow of the bed, are a small hip flask and a set of white pearly Tasby prayer beads. Coming around to the left side of the bed, a pair of red stiletto heels lie on their side as if freshly kicked off. They draw our attention to the trophy in the background perhaps one on the same night as a drag ballroom event. The walls of this room are bare, but two potted plants placed in the corners at the back of the bedroom adorn the space. On the left, in an earthen pot, is a rose bush that climbs up nearly to the empty hammocks, and to the right, a single red tulip. This painting is called Glass House and is the only room without any people in it. Dominated instead by a range of imported plants and also produce found in the local area of Kilburn, the painting speaks to the horticulture and agriculture of migrant communities and the longevity of flora against the waves of immigration and history. Against the bright turquoise walls and the warm dirt floor, the different plants compete for our attention. Through a large rectangular window in the back wall, huge arm-like reeds climb inside into the room. This window is glassless. The pane seems as if it has been removed and placed instead against the back wall, next to the invasive leaves of the reed plant. At the right-hand wall, a large camellia flower bush leans inside from another glassless window. 
The pink flowers and dark green leaves are forefronted against the lush green backdrop of the outdoors. Indoors, there are more domesticated agricultural items. Above the windows, a metal rail winds its way around the top of the walls, holding small showerhead-like contraptions at regular intervals. Towards the left-hand side of the rail hangs a long muli or daikon root, followed by a large brown yam, both tied up to the railing with thin yarn. The last root in the space is a clump of ginger, which hangs to the right-hand side of the back wall. Towards the front of the room, three small pots line up along the bottom frame of the painting, sprouting baby shoots of ganja and squash. The smallest of these three pots sits close to a pair of red crocs, which evoke the absence of the person who perhaps tends to the plant life in this room. There are more indications of labour and rest. A low wooden coffee table sits in front of the reedy window, supporting a farming mattock which has been leaned against it with a digging head toward the ground. A sickle sits at the top of the table, made of the same silver for the curved blade and wood for the handle. The blue sky that presides over the other rooms is also present here, though this time it is partly obstructed by two panes of glass that create a partial ceiling. Diagonally across from these panes of glass, lying on the ground, are three shards of broken glass, they lie by the table, by the crocks, and in the corner. It's not clear where these pointy shards of glass have come off from, but they evoke a sense of recent violence. This painting called Porch is not of a room, but straddles the indoors and the outdoors. The left and bottom of the painting frame the indoor part, a watermelon pink wall to the left, and the porch floorboards at the bottom. The porch is lined with a simple fence, beyond which a lush green field stretches back to the horizon. Beyond that, the familiar and recurring blue sky. A steady line of migrants walks through the field towards the porch. These figures are small and blurry and waist deep in the field, but are recognizably carrying small loads and possessions. Emerging from the fields in this way, they could be mistaken for farm labourers carrying crops. Within the sea of green, a small wooden boat sits to the right. This allusion to the dangerous channel crossings is made explicit by a painting that hangs on the pink wall. It features a small orange raft-like boat in choppy ocean waters. At the top of the pink wall, facing away from us, sits a dark-skinned man in a deep red blazer. Beside him sits a goose, also perched atop the wall. He looks at the goose as the goose looks away. From that vantage point, they tempt us to consider what can be seen out beyond the, this immediate scene. Looking out at the trickling in of people is a woman in denim blue overalls and a green cap, who stands on the porch with her back to us. A large pair of shears lie open on the wooden planks by another figure who leans over the edge of the porch. This figure wears khaki green trousers and their upper body isn't visible to us apart from some glimpses of a checkered shirt. To their left lie broken parts of the fence. It is unclear what exactly they are working on but the presence of the shears suggests that perhaps they may be further dismantling the fence. 
It could also be that this figure is planting flowers. Next to the pieces of broken fence lie four cut stems of different flowers, freshly arranged in a row. Closest to the kneeling figure, we have a cypress cyclamen. Then to its left, a Sri Lankan flame lily. Then a deep red tulip. And lastly, a yellow Eritrean jabira daisy. They lie precariously close to a large gap in the floorboards. There are multiple missing planks in the floor of the porch. These are dark coloured and opaque gaps. Between two of these holes in the floor sits a small wooden bench. A woman in brown overalls and headscarf sits here with her back to the pink wall. Her eyes are closed and her palms are joined and open in prayer. Among the activity in this scene, her stillness is striking. A simple wall clock hangs behind her. By her feet, at the front of the painting, is a white pillow and steel tiffin box, offering allusions to the nourishment and rest that awaits the group travelling in from beyond the horizon. This last painting is called Lounge and features a room busy with the creation and celebration of art, which the artist explains has been a tool of survival and pillar of community for migrants. In the centre of this room is a brightly woven rug, not dissimilar to the one you may be standing upon right now in the Kingsgate project space. It features shades of cool blue and warm reds, which meet in the tassels at either end. It is placed on top of the musty pink carpet that otherwise covers the room. Standing on top of this carpet is a dark-skinned person wearing an emerald green jumpsuit. They are mid-stance, with arms held slightly apart from the body in a posture that could be interpreted as mid-dance. In their right hand they hold a silver chisel and in their left a silver mallet. Beside them is a short, stocky, brown sculpture and another sculpture of similar artistry in a cream colour that sits closer to the front of this painting. Beside the sculpture and also on the rug sits a blonde-haired femme illustrator drawing on a tablet. They are wearing a frilly yellow dress with a low-cut back and puffy full sleeves. They sit comfortably with their left leg extending behind them in fishnet stockings and a long black boot. Their tablet lies on the ground, close to two other figures who look at them. A dark-skinned woman in a purple t-shirt and blue jeans sits on the small bench up against the right-hand wall. It seems this person is a writer. She has her left hand on top of an open manuscript with some loose pages by her feet. She sits beside an older woman dressed in a rosy pink salwar kameez and white hijab. A long and heavy-looking blue fabric is draped over her lap as she tends to it with her hands. Like the other paintings in this series, there is a strong homage paid to flowers and the heritage they can represent for specific communities. In the back right corner of the room, a large square pot holds a Ghanaian impala lily, while in the front right corner of the room, a similar pot holds a Nigerian yellow trumpet. A low coffee table-like structure sits at the back left of the room holding the Bangladeshi water lily in a small pool of water. Behind this water feature hang three large framed paintings. Right at the back of the room, they are out of focus and difficult to discern, but to the left, a portrait of a dark-skinned figure on a wooden chair. 
in the middle, a colourful depiction of sea creatures that seem to be a lobster and an eel, and to the right, an abstract painting with bright coloured wavy lines and bold red dots. Amongst the array of many artworks and mediums celebrated in this room are also those that are acknowledged for having more turbulent histories. Two large sound system speakers sit right at the front of the painting and the front of the room. Both are sawn open at an angle to reveal their inners and a sort of vigil. The left speaker has three candles placed inside it, dripping wax onto its outer casing and the floor, while the right speaker is nearly half removed from the top, revealing two candles inside. Pieces of smashed ceramics are dotted around the room on the floor, inviting us to consider those migrant artists who couldn't complete their artistic journey. Thank you for listening to this audio description and for visiting this exhibition. Muhammad's work celebrates his community's dreams, disrupts violent power structures and makes peace with the unspeakable chaos of the world. My name is Shivangi and there are many other audio described works on offer for you to enjoy in the Brent Biennial. Please do check them out. Thank you for listening.